All right, hello everybody. Welcome to Animoot, and today's theme is going to be automating a series, or basically how to make a series happen and not have it fall apart. And I think we're specifically going to talk about kind of working on your own. I don't know. Are we going to hit any of the studio-related stuff on how to automate a series? I'd say so. Okay. Being able to get to the closest point possible of being able to just hit the animate button. Yeah. Because how many people in your life have you met where they are dumbstruck to find that a lot of shows are still drawn one frame at a time? I thought you just used a computer. You're like, well, yes, but that's not that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, a lot of the Disney shows are still drawn on paper too. Usually not, you know, in the states. They usually outsource all that stuff, but it's still drawn by hand. Even if it's completely digital, you're still drawing on a tablet. There's still a lot of traditional mindsets involved. You know, usually automating something comes at the detriment of its quality. Yes, but it depends on the kind thing. of thing. If it's like a heavy dialogue thing, like I know a lot of people get irritated by like Family Guy's look because it's very stiff with like no in betweens or easing. Uh, it is pretty damn efficient. Yeah, well, is it? But The Simpsons is drawn. I don't know how they do it now, but that that was an example of very efficient animation that still moves. You know what I mean? Do you mean now? I don't know now because I don't. I haven't seen like the recent stuff, but I mean before. I don't know who it is now. It. Yeah, I. I think it would be crazy if it's not modular, like having being able to move between different heads and stuff. <laughs> I mean, it must be modular now. I would think, but back then, you know, how, the way they had it set up was still efficient. So we're talking about how to increase efficiency in making a series. So on on my for my people, that would be about. How do you make a series by yourself and actually get past episode one? Because as you know, you see plenty of series on YouTube and they all have one episode and then the person can't make anymore because they didn't really, you know, they figured they were going to be drawing everything by hand and they totally do it and it would all work out. That's what I'd like to talk about. The How do you make an entire show solo for the internet and have it be possible? And still decent. Yeah. Yeah, things have to be automated as much as possible if it's going to have a reasonable release schedule. There's some amazing ones that look beautiful, but they get like one episode every other year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but at least in that case, they're still getting episodes. I, I guess the <laughs> I don't, to point fingers at, at like Harry Partridge and he has, what did he come out with, episode three? How many years has it mm. been of his Starbarian series? So that's an example where it's like completely high TV level quality production, but with one person... You get three episodes across, what, five years? I don't know. I have so much admiration for that dedication. That's, that's dedication. It, it, you know, most people would have made episode one and then not been able to follow through, but he's still he's still doing it. He just hasn't automated any of it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, efficient animation. I, I know that it can look clunky from time to time, but when I'm just like, yeah, that show was made well within budget. <laughs> Getting excited you about... tell a lot of people like, oh, the animation's kind of clunky, but I'm like, yeah, but it's within budget. But it's in the budget. Ooh, that's what I get excited about. Or, you know, that it is not losing money. Yay. <laughs> but the thing is, it's so easy to also overdo it, where you could attempt to automate something so much so that actually building the machine that does all the heavy lifting for you takes so much work that it would have been faster to have just drawn it. Yep. That's happened to me a number of times. That's my like main rule that I live by because I instinctively, that's what it's all about. So when it comes to like making character rigs for an animation, 
yeah, if you had drawn that by hand, you would have been done through the time it took to build all of the perspectives and blah, blah, blah parts for the rig. You could have just drawn the pictures. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And, and probably not even all the parts would get used in, in that short. But versus a 26-episode series, yes. then, yeah, different stories. It's just about choosing the right tool for the job. Relevant example would be, um, you know, the onion rig yeah. that I use in some of my videos. The big, uh, like the orange one that has lots of sort of moving parts to it. It's like fully animatable. Like you can rotate lots of expressions that move anyway. It's got like remote controls to it, lots of parts. So I was really pleased with how flexible it is. But even then, it was too much because animating it because like in tutorials and youtube videos like you got to do like several minutes each episode and remember regular tv quality animation is probably about 30 seconds uh, a week worth of full-time work so to be able to pump out two to three minutes in say half a day you got to have some sort of crazy system to be able to pull it off so that's what this rig was meant to be about but even then the amount of moving parts actually came to the workflow's detriment because posing it and getting it to do all of those different movements that it could do took time away. So I actually needed a character that was more limited in its poses to save time. So I've built a new one recently, which is much more streamlined. And rather than it being a character rig, it's built more on a system of modular swaps. The, the model is there and it's got three, or the, sorry, four sliders. Uh, and there's like an arm slider, an eyes slider, a body slider, and you can sort of mix and match these to combine any expression with any pose. The amount of poses is somewhat limited, but the amount of combinations of them is pretty high. That combined with how simple the new style is, it's really, really easy to add new drawings to it. So that actually makes it more expressive and more diverse than the old one. Um, because al although the old one looked nicer in, in the amount of movement that it could do, it was railroaded to those movements. Adding anything else was so annoyingly difficult that it just wasn't worthwhile for how much content had to be made in the amount of time it had to get made in. Yeah, so that's the same thing with like the Scribble Kibble rig. So um, the, the one that you'll see in most of the episodes is very simple. It's what you have now for your Onion character, which is different poses, but the number of combinations is high. Um, so that type of rig worked really well for that purpose then i went and did and made the rig that you started out with so now it looks really good but getting it to do anything is a big process of moving all of these different moving and swapping way more pieces than is necessary i mean it would work out if i was going to continue using it but since the series has been pulled back so much it you know the value that i could have gotten out of it there was a lot of wasted time in development um, it would have been better just stick with the old rig for that purpose. So um, I guess we'll start with talking about the rig thing. And the question is then, if you're going to do a series, then you really should be looking at making rigs and not drawing everything by hand, especially if you're working by yourself. I mean, shoulds is, is a bit much. Don't you think? Like, it's such a subjective issue. What if it's like, a, you know, the animatic style... Uh, story time videos. Oh, well, okay, okay, okay. So that's, yeah, that's different. It's story time videos. See, usually when I talk, 
not when I talk to people, but usually when I see people talking about making a series, they're thinking of making TV quality, hand by hand, frame by frame, hand drawn animation, and it's just not going to pan. So out. is this just like so, some younger people that have an I have an idea for a show without really thinking that uh, making something that TV level not is quite co- costs about half a million dollars an episode. Okay, so it ranges anywhere between th- those younger people and people who have just graduated from college and haven't had a whole lot of experience working directly in a studio. So those are the folks who are more likely to think, okay, I can animate a whole series on my own without thinking of ways to automate it. So I guess we'll go over the points. There are a couple different ways to approach it. One is what Onion just mentioned um, to do like animatics or storyboards, or if you're going to be drawing everything by hand, something with limited animation. (laughs) That way you can, that way you have the time to make all those drawings. The other way to approach it is with simple rigs. And then that way you can probably get a little bit more animation out of it, but you're going to be building a lot of reusable animations that you can, you know, like talking or walking or blah, blah, blah. You could just drop it in and have it happen. I'm going to play devil's advocate again. Oh. Because there was one time I did an online series like this because I was like, oh, well, you know, what's the simplest way I can do something so I can do like, you know, a 10 minute episode every like other week. Uh, and that was one of the sort of like uh, cutout pose style. This is back in the flash days, so you sort of have to do like symbol within symbol style uh, uh, components. And that was that. That still took a lot longer. It was probably like a month and a half per episode. And the main thing that really slowed it down as an individual making it was because it was all just component tweened based movement. It was so. Boring. <laughs> I just fizzled out of making that series after a couple of episodes just because, like, I just couldn't keep up the enthusiasm for it. It was so dull to make those characters move. They were so limited. And it was so, like, just unappealing to look at because they never really did anything outside of just that sort of marionette-style movement. So it was boring to make. It was boring to watch. It was a bad idea. Okay, well, uh, all right. Well, let's stick with that idea for a second, though. So you've got maybe plans for really long episodes, like you're saying 10 minutes. In that case, you're really going to want the story to carry it, not mm. the animation. Case-by-case case basis, right? Right, so case-by-case case basis. So you can't stand doing the grind, right? Just really boring tween. I mean, I would get sick of it too, but the Depends thing is... Depends on the kind of grind. Like, if there's, you know, flexibility to it. Well, sure. I mean, you could put flexibility in it, but, but you know, like for, the, for a 10-minute episode... How many people are really going to pay attention to the one time you actually drew a different expression or something like that, right? Mm. It's by, so... by yourself, that's rough. Yeah. Like, there's so many different ways to do it. It's like, like, what if the series you're making has like 15 second episodes? You can do, do whatever you want. Because I'd like to see more of that kind of thing. More, more of what? Series made with original characters and each episode is about 15 seconds. 15 seconds? 15 seconds. That's all you need to, you know, introduce a character and have something something silly happen why not you can build a world in 15 seconds you want you know you're tempting me now i want to do it <laughs> yeah this is animation like you get as much mileage out of whatever you can as possible um a different angle of automation i'd like to dive into uh, if i may okay go ahead so to divert things a little bit uh and probably the reason why we wrote down the word automate instead of efficiency into the spreadsheet um is building uh engines that do stuff and they're sort of moving away from character animation and more into the effects and compositing side of things building filters that make things happen automatically 
Uh, and have I told the story of the the nighttime backgrounds on here before? Uh, wow. That If you have, it would have been a while ago. Well, you try and reiterate it to me first, and then I'll know. Oh, well, I know. I've heard the story. Okay, so basically, um, you have situations where if you create a filter that you can you could have one background you could create a color palette and just change it so you could say oh well okay here's that background and then you could just swap all of the colors to make it be nighttime and if you have a machine set up you could do that to every single background you have or if you don't have that guess what happens the background artists have to draw both a daytime and a nighttime scene, or they have to go in and manually change the daytime scene into a nighttime scene. So you've created a whole bunch more work. But if you plan ahead, you say, oh, well, you know, I am going to need nighttime versions. You should just have a filter you can put on top of your background to make it look like it's nighttime. Yeah, so that's what was happening. It was um, having to work through the process of the different filters in Photoshop in order to turn each background one at a time into nighttime. Or by using Toon Boom nodes, could turn it into a little little machine packet that could be drag and dropped into any pre-existing background and it would just automatically change it into its nighttime variant. Uh, and that's mainly what a lot of my jobs end up being, is trying to figure out ways to do that in different areas of the production. Uh, so it would be things like, um, uh, you know when like like a spotlight sort of thing is coming down and like you put your hand in front of it, the light's sort of blocked out and it sort of creates that, that like cone of shadow coming out. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm explaining that terribly, but... That phenomenon, being able to block light with an object. How do you how do you build that to do that every time? Like you you could you could draw it frame by frame, like sort of mask out the light uh, as the character sort of moves through it. You could probably even do it with like a square and you know like uh, tween that shape, like like shape tween it as they walk through. Uh, or you could maybe there's like a plugin for the program that you're using that doesn't. I'd assume like After Effects and stuff has a plugin for it. But I use Toon Boom for everything, and it doesn't have a plugin that does that. So solution, get copies of the character. Uh, so whatever the character is, have it get automatically copied about 40 to 50 times. Each one of them has their angle, uh, or sorry, their, like their distance in X and Y moved down and a little bit to the left by like 0.3 or something like that. But all of them are daisy chained off one another. So 0.3 times 0.3 times 0.3, and it sort of just creates this long, like just trail of characters <laughs> yeah. overlapping each other. It just creates this like solid column of that character's shape. Uh, when that mass is all combined together and that's used as the mask against the light. Now that is completely automated. As that character moves from then on, all their poses that they can make as they make them is always going to block out that light no matter what. And that's the drag and drop automation component now. You just go in the library and any animator can just drag and drop it and it'll work every time. Yeah, so when you're working with the advanced programs, you can do stuff like that, even in After Effects. I mean, once you, even something simple. Okay, so if you're an artist who just draws, if you go in and build your own brushes and save them, then you have a customized brush that no other artist is using that you know what it looks like, you know what the texture is like, and you could just use it rather than, and this happens, I know, I know I've done it, rather than every single time you go to make a picture, you have to go and make another brush because you never save it and you can't settle on one. So you're always making these different brushes and you don't save them anywhere. Same thing with patterns, pattern backgrounds, pattern floors. Once you've done it, if you save it somewhere and you can reuse it, 
even just for basic artwork and backgrounds and stuff. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about brushes and things and like like photos of textures, uh, bump maps of stuff. Textures are so important. Oh my gosh, textures are the best things. I have a parchment texture that I use all the time. That's great. Uh, I really like using them for um, uh, different... I suppose it ends up being the same kind of thing because I don't really use them for brushes, but ends up being like masking type stuff where you take, yeah, yeah. You take a photo or something and then do the thingy where dark colors become more solid or transparent. You you change the blend mode, change the blend mode to like multiply or overlay or add or whatever you want to do, color burn. Yeah, that's the one. So that would be great. Like I remember one time where uh, it was like a hologram of a planet. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm looking at the concept art of the, palette of the planet as reference. I'm like, okay, so do I need to like draw that planet? What would that look like as a hologram? And I thought, well, hang on. What if I just took the concept art, cropped the planet out of it, did the, the blend mode to it so it became, you know, sort of alpha-y, put some hologrammy glows on it so the things that are a certain color, they're more opaque and therefore they glow more. <laughs> and then it just worked. I kind of, I'm, I was sitting here thinking about the serious thing again. I'm um, going back because we we're going to talk about automating a series before even thinking about making a series. Maybe the f- more important thing to ask yourself is why you want to make the series in the first place. Because if you're thinking, man, I want to make a series because I want to show off all this amazing animation, then maybe a series isn't the best thing to do. Maybe you should make a simple short animation that you can really use to show all the different abilities you have or to you know practice some particular skill but a series is where you want to tell a story a long story i see this quite a bit where there's uh, animators who have a story to tell and they're not really confident in their like pitching ability and stuff like that so there's like oh i'll just animate the whole series by myself but if you just made like some kind of pilot, like do a mock opening title sequence, do the first three minutes of episode one, like something to introduce the characters, the world and the ideas. That can be enough to really get the idea across. Sometimes you could just conclude that as like, okay, you know, the story is done. At least it is out of my head and it exists and I can move on to a new idea. And if the right person to show it to comes along, hey, maybe it'll get picked up. Yeah, that's a good point. That actually brings me to an idea I was thinking of doing, which is to continue making little fake intros until I make one that really resonates with people. Then I know I've got something good rather than committing myself. That's a good point. Making a whole series and no one watching it would just be the worst. Exactly. Rather than committing myself to this is the series I'm going to make. I mean, there's there's a difference. Like if it's a passion project and I know I want to make it, then I'll do it. But if I'm trying to make something that that's going to really get a big audience and a lot of people are going to like it, I have to experiment. So right, the, just making the series right off the bat may not be the best idea. Maybe I want to experiment, come up with characters that people get to know, get to like, and that sort of thing. So that's going back to like, why are you making the series in the first place? So if you have a story to tell... There's a lot to unpack there. It's uh, We'll get more into that, I think, when we talk about uh, pitching stuff, like how do you actually get a show off the ground? Uh, how often does that happen? Right. Uh, and what? how can you sort of like maximize your chances to get something noticed? Uh, there's a lot to do there. And pretty much everything to do with those sorts of things are the opposite to automating. You're doing things as manually and as uh-huh. meticulously yes. as possible yes. to get it really, really freaking polished. That's for a pitch, um, This so. is Yeah, we're talking more about uh, 
quick and dirty solutions. Yeah, okay. How do you, how do you duct tape something together? Okay, so like I've mentioned before, maybe, I'm not, it would have been a while ago, the series that I'd like to do. So my plan there is first to get the story down because in this case, you're doing a longer form series. It doesn't really matter so much the drawings and what's going on. It matters more that the content of the story itself is good. So my plan there would be get the whole you know story done, whole script. Maybe even, I've thought, maybe not even do an animation or a video. Maybe just write a book and then be done, right? Like, there's the book. Psh, away it goes. I did it. Woo. And then, so you get the story down. And then instead of doing animated characters to just do still poses, but, but with really nice artwork. So some really nice artwork with some different types of poses for each of the different characters. And then there you go. And then have voice acting. So it's almost like uh, being able to make a graphic novel out of s stock images. Exactly. It's more like a graphic novel or more like, um, oh, what are those? Like a dating sim. More like a dating sim type mechanic. Or if you've played any type of JRPG where the character they have character portraits and dialogue like that. <laughs> but with, with a wider variety of drawings. Because then... Instead of having to animate it, you could just draw a new pose. You could have some unique poses each episode with higher quality artwork. So rather than it being presented as a game, it's a as a YouTube series. Yeah, it's just a YouTube series. That'd be cool. But then again, remember, because there's a lot less going on on screen. I mean, over time, you would build up a really nice library of interchangeable poses. You really have to have a solid story because there's not, you know, it's not as much visually. There ain't no way to automate good storytelling. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to fall into some sort of formula. No, that's just hard work. Script writing is probably something else we should talk about. <laughs> no, believe me. I was going to say, as far as automating a script writing, um, that just makes me think of that Harry Potter, Botnik, robot written story. You know what happens when you try to automate automate script writing. It, it, it can't be done. Can it? Can you automate script writing? Harry Potter, bot. Okay, so... What are you talking about? Well... It's not just that. There's a lot of places you can go and read stories written by robots. So what people do is they take their, their little robot, they feed it all of this information, and then they say, okay, make a story. So one of my favorite one of these is um, the person fed their, fed their AI system a bunch of recipe names, and then they had their robot name cookies like what it thought would be good names for cookies and <laughs> stuff like bare-witted nuts one was just bars fuzzy feats like just ridiculous stuff <laughs> this sounds brilliant i'd love to see animations based on a dramatic reading of a robot story i i there's actually one on my channel there's one i did the harry potter one. Oh, you've done it yeah i've done the harry potter one um it was just so ridiculous when i read it i thought yeah it'll be good Hopefully there's footage of it playing right now with a link in the description. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll, I'll note down to insert it in here. It, it did pretty well. It took a long time to gain traction, but it's it's doing all right. It just sounds like a fun <laughs> idea. Like it's It sort of reminds me of Axe Cop. Do you remember Axe Cop? No, what's Axe Cop? Axe Cop is a comic that is written by a five-year-old and it's <laughs> professionally drawn by his 25-year-old brother. What? That's amazing. I love it. It's got these super like detailed, like graphic novel level edgy drawings, but the storyline is like, oh, you know, Fleet Cop ate an avocado and he transformed an avocado cop and then they went and punched dinosaurs. And it, like, it's, it's so wacky and it, you know, it's just full of that childlike imagination. I'd imagine that, you know, animated story written by a robot 
would probably have a similar sort of charm to it. Exactly. It does. It has um it has that charm to it. If you I'll put the video in here and you can see it. It's just so wildly random, but at the same time it's using it's interpretive text. So it's using all of the text from the books, the Harry Potter books. So it's you know, that language is there and that's just what it's writing with. It's, it's odd things happen, that's all. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so scripts can be automated. Uh, animations <laughs> yeah, can right. be automated. Uh, storyboarding. Uh, well, if your animation is automated, you don't need to worry about storyboarding, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, it'll be very lackluster. So, uh, does the animation button exist? And how close are we to all losing our jobs? Oh. Well, sometimes I think about that because there are there's a lot of interesting predictive art technology coming out. Like, I just saw a post today where there's now technology where you can take a sim- single still image and create animated faces off of it. So they had a picture of the Mona Lisa and then extremely convincing animations of her talking and moving her head and all this other stuff just based off of that single picture. So I don't know. So it wasn't even Uncanny Valley. Nope. nope. It just looked like really good mocap type animation with that art style. So I'm just... You know, 50 years from now, I really don't know where technology is going to be. I don't know what kind of animation jobs are still going to be around. I mean, obviously, I'm still working in 2D, so that it's an art. I don't think it's really going to go away. There's always kind of a demand for art. There's always, there's still. 2D age is better. Like, oh, we're starting to see some better. of those shows that are, it's like they're that 3D cell shaded, but, and they're, they're trying bad. to look as 2D mm, as possible. No, it looks bad. There's just something. Like, I appreciate the effort. There's something off about it. Or, well, you know, though, the thing about bad 3D animation is now it's almost a style of its own, like poly, 3D poly, anim- low poly animation, which... This isn't this isn't bad 3D, though. It's just that it's trying to be 2D, but because, like, the oh, perspective t- is so yeah. perfect that you're like... No. Like, you know, anime characters are usually, like, in 2D at least... They're, de- like, deliberately broken. Like, you know, the mouth is off to the side so that you can see it at a three-quarter angle and junk like that. Um, so <laughs> yeah. maybe they'll go in more that direction. Like, that Dragon Ball Z game that deliberately, like, broke the models to give them extra perspective. Uh, maybe we'll see more of that. Um, or maybe Spider-Verse, which that takes the sort of, you know, 3D that sort of looks like 2D, but it's not trying to... You know, it's its own thing. It's not trying to pretend something that it's not. It's still It's still 3D. And it really just like rolls with it in a really charming way. You're you're talking about something a little different though. I was talking about how because you mentioned two D ages better, and it does. Like a two D animation is oh, it always looks like art. Whereas I don't remember the days of um, when three D first started to try to look like reality. Now that stuff aged poorly. It looks bad compared to what you can do with the technology now. Yeah, a lot of it did. It's like. It's like uh, like uh, covers, like video game covers in the 80s and early 90s when they were all like paintings and hand-drawn, like arcade cabinets and stuff. They, they all have really nice artwork. But then like the PS1 and 64 era, those covers are a bit, a bit iffy because it's just like, uh, like a high-res version of the 3D model just sort of like <laughs> plastered on there. And it's a bit like, ooh. Yeah, so I, I, but again, I thought it was interesting because I've started to realize that these that old that animation that now looks bad because technology allows us to make things look so much more realistic than it ever could but now it's almost an art style of its own that for example i mentioned the low poly stuff yeah i think some of that it has its charm like there was probably a time when like when 3d was brand new i'm sure that 
pixel art was sort of being like, oh, that's like old fashioned and tacky. But, you know, that's been yeah. trendy again yeah, it has. for a while now. It comes back. Um, but for automation, how, have you seen those uh, programs that where it's just like AI yes. that just paints yes. for you? Like you just like draw a couple of shapes and then it's just like, yeah, this is like a beach scene now. Like, oh, I drew a horizon line. Oh, now it's the ocean. And it's like, ah, okay. <laughs> or you draw a character and it just shades it yeah. perfectly. I, I don't know. That's We're talking about the automation stuff. So... Like I mentioned, I really don't know what jobs are still going to be there and what we'll just be using computers for. Like, are we going to need a shading up? I get weirdly existential when we get too deep into that topic. Looking at the AI painting programs is one thing, but it's like humanity is definitely like moving in the direction of total automation. Right. I used to think that you couldn't automate art. And now I know I'm wrong. So the question then is, well, if everything is automated... And we also don't need to make art, then what's the point? I'll take it one step further and get really existential for a second. Ooh, and it's yeah. be like the, the main curse of immortality. So a lot of people say that like, oh, immortality, like in films, at least when immortality is presented, the main curse of it in the story is usually uh, the idea of like losing your loved ones. And it's like, well, but that's a bit silly because, like, even in just being alive for like thirty years, like the amount of people that sort of come and go in your life is pretty regular. Um, you know, people lose loved ones all the time and find a way to get through it. So if you live for a thousand years, you would probably be able to come to terms with that. I think the real problem would be boredom, boredom. Just yeah, any lack of urgency. Uh, because I have to, like, you think about, oh, I'm not telling you, they were sick. Like, you get so much done. Like, you don't have to worry about it. You'd be, like, on the forefront of everything. You could, like, learn every skill. That'd be sick. But then, like, if there is zero urgency and no need for any of that kind of stuff, I think it would just stop. And there is evidence for this because there's so often, like, how many people listening would agree that, like, say, like, you know, you're looking forward to, like, the school holidays or, you know, like, a weekend off or something like that. You'd be like, yeah, it's going to be sick. I'm going to get, like, so much done. I'll be able to catch up on the things I want to do. I'll be able to, like, you know, do whatever. And then they just do nothing. I know. I know that's going to happen. So if I go on a vacation, I go, yep, I'm not going to bother bringing anything to draw with or anything that I think I'm going to work on. I'm just going to leave that all at home because I know I'm not going to do any of that. Right? So if you were a mortal, <laughs> would that just happen... Oh, oops, it's actually accidentally been another 20 years and I did nothing. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I've thought about it and I'm pretty sure at least if, if it were my personality type that were immortal, you would go through periods of being, of going insane, then existing and coming back to the world because you just get so freaking bored. In fact, maybe you'd be fine because <laughs> of the whole not struggling with procrastination thing. But if you're the kind of person who only ever gets their homework done the night before it's due, then... Uh, oh, I think you'd have a pretty relaxed, though. You'd be, you'd be relaxed. A life with no deadlines, though. <laughs> you're like, oh, well, I just, for, just didn't bother eating for a few months. Oh, well. But, but there would be deadlines. It just wouldn't be your deadlines. Do you see what I mean? Like, there other creatures and things are happening and going in time... Well, you know, situations only exist in a certain part of time. I mean, they repeat themselves, though, so I guess, yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. I don't know. Like, you probably still need to pay rent <laughs> if you want to, like, live somewhere. Yeah, Just, just because exactly. you don't need food you know. to survive doesn't mean, like, you, you just would volunteer <laughs> mean... to become homeless. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean that other, you know, you're not the only thing in this world, so the time revolves around other people as well. So there would technically still be deadlines. 
I just think you would get incredibly bored. That, that's that's an uh, excellent point then. I retract my entire thesis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess that uh, the good existential crisis there. What were we talking about? Automation. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just it's just some quality thoughts to fall asleep to. You know, help help you drift off with some just that comfort. Yes, yeah. if you were immortal, yeah, not thinking about eternity or whatever. If you were immortal. Cool. I don't think we have a planned topic for next week, so lucky dip. Lucky dip. It'll be random. Whoop. Thanks for joining us. Uh, just in, just splurge all your your existential crises into the comments. Oh yes, all the existential crises. I want to hear them. Thoughts about eternity and all that other stuff. We'll enjoy reading them with a big bucket of ice cream. Yay.